Welcome to the Rookie Leaders Podcast, the podcast of veteran leaders offering leadership lessons to newbies. Whether you're brand new to leadership or expanding your leadership responsibilities, this podcast will provide the knowledge and experience you need to lead courageously and effectively. This podcast is a production of the Credible Leadership Group, a coaching and consulting firm devoted to your leadership development, career advancement, and personal growth. Learn more at CredibleLeaders.com. Now, here's your host, Michael Tanner. Well, hello there, friend. Michael Tanner here, your host. Welcome to another episode of the Rookie Leaders Podcast. You know I'm going to say it. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. I am so grateful. I'm honored to have you tuned in to the podcast. You could be doing so many other things with your time. You've chosen to share that time with me. Thank you so much for doing that. Hey, today I've got a great, another great interview with you for you, another great podcast episode uh, for you today. I'm going to be chatting with Emily Sander, uh, and I can't wait to share this episode with you. I had a great conversation with Emily about leadership aptitude and attitude, and this is certainly a topic I believe that greatly influences your leadership effectiveness, and so you definitely want to listen in. Take your notes from what Emily is going to share with you because you're going to benefit from having spent some time with her. I assure you of that. Before I get into explaining a little bit more about Emily and our interview, let me, housekeeping items, let me share with you. Be sure that you're taking advantage of our leadership calculator. Be sure you take advantage of this free tool that's going to measure and calculate your leadership effectiveness. In addition to that, it's going to give you insights exactly how you can improve your leadership. That's what we do here the Credible Leadership Group, we measure leadership effectiveness and we improve leadership effectiveness. So be sure you take care of this tool that's going to measure and improve your leadership effectiveness. You can do that credibleleaders.com forward slash calculator, credibleleaders.com forward slash calculator. That'll take you right into the calculator. So I, I highly, again, highly encourage you to take advantage of that tool. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Emily. Uh, I met her several weeks back. We've had some connect meetings. And of course, we had an opportunity to sit down and and record a podcast episode. But I'll just tell you that Emily has, uh, she spent, you know, more than 15 years in the business world. But somewhere along the way, she realized that her favorite role was mentoring leaders. And I so understand, I so resonate with uh, Emily's recognition of this role as a mentor, uh, especially a mentor to leaders. And when she recognized that, that's when she decided to pursue coaching. So as a C-suite executive, she's also an ICF certified coach. So she combines her experience and her proven insights uh, also with a keen ability to understand each of her clients' unique uh, personality and and their unique situation and again i just so resonate with emily and her passion to mentor and to coach other leaders and i I know that's why we hit it off so well and had such a great conversation but again we're going to be talking in this episode about a leader's aptitude and attitude and we're actually going to be talking about that from a great book that emily has out called Hacking executive leadership. Go from insecure, indecisive, and overloaded to confident, influential, and effective. So I highly encourage you to check out that book as well. You'll find show notes in the show notes of this episode. You'll find links to where you can find Emily, her website, 
as well as her book. She'll talk to you a little bit about that in the, uh, in the interview as well. But in the show notes of today's podcast, you will find that. You can find that at rookieleaders.com. And this is episode number 66. So that's where you'll find the show notes for that. But now, without further ado, let me get over to my interview with Emily Sander. Emily, welcome to the Rookie Leaders Podcast. It is so exciting to share your knowledge with the audience. And, and I know we're, we're going to be talking about a topic that I'm excited to share with the audience because I'm not so sure in our episodes, we've really kind of dove into the topic of hiring. But hiring is super important for leaders. And oftentimes, uh, as new leaders, we find ourselves for the very first time in a in a hiring situation. So I'm excited to share that topic with our audience. But first of all, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you. Thank you so much, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here, and I really appreciate you having me on your show. Well, I know you have kind of this story that uh, around your first kind of hiring experience and so forth. And I want to share that with our audience because that's very uh, relevant to the, to the topic today, but maybe first let's just kind of from an introduction standpoint, a little bit, you know, what you're doing today and, and, uh, and so forth. That'd be great. Sure. So kind of the highlight reel is I've been in the business world for 15 years and working for different technology companies and startups and large companies and work my way up. I currently serve as the chief of staff for a digital marketing agency. So helping advise the CEO and the leadership team and bring you know company-wide initiatives together. Mm-hmm. And then several years ago, I also became a ICF certified coach. So mm-hmm. I'm a life coach, business coach, and work with leaders all around the world on getting themselves to, to their next step. Um, but certainly, uh, I do have a, a recruiting and hiring story, which is way back when I did a, did my first hire, it was an unusual circumstance where I walked out of a meeting with our board members, so our CEO and all of our board members, so head honchos, I was very green, very new, kind of bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and they said, Emily, we're going to stand up this international client management team and you're going to run it and we need to hire client managers in regions. So we need someone in kind of Europe, Middle East area, Asia Pacific and the Americas. And they said, go basically. <laughs> and so I walked back to my office. I had never recruited anyone. I had never hired anyone. I didn't know what to do. So I literally Googled, how do you hire someone in the UK? Right. And that was my very first <laughs> recruiting experience, which I remember that vividly to this day. Yeah. Um, and then fast forward years and years later, now I recruit and hire people. I review yeah. resumes. I do the initial phone call and, and all the rest. So it's uh, it's business as usual, but yeah, quite a journey. And I think recruiting and hiring is a really, really important part of, of leadership and team building. Yeah, certainly is. And and that's quite a brutal introduction to the responsibility <laughs> of uh, hiring, of, uh, you know, recruiting and interviewing and, and hiring new team members, uh, because you have that added dynamic of you're hiring new team members, but they're all going to be remote and, and they're, you know, not just remote, but in other countries remote, which also means uh, differing cultures and and different expectations that they might have about the interview process or even about working for the team. And, and again, the, just the remote aspect of it. Um, 
that has some added dimensions of difficulty uh, because the typical leader, you know, new leader that for the first time is experiencing the responsibility of hiring new team members, it's, it's local and, you know, it's a, it's a, um, uh, it's a small team and you just need to add a, a, a member or two to that already established team. It sounds like you also had the added dynamic of this team doesn't even exist. And in fact, this team <laughs> is new to us as a business altogether. Is that, is that a fair assessment of that? Absolutely. So it was kind of create the job requisition. So create yeah. the job description and what you want this, this person and this role to fulfill. Mm-hmm. So I was new at that as well. So sure. putting that together. Yeah. And then certainly I think there's a dynamic where you have to kind of get to know someone yeah. and get a sense of them over, over zoom yeah. and over uh, meetings. Yeah. yeah and, and so to use the swimming pool analogy, man, you were thrown into the deep end, just boom, right? It just with some right weights. Yeah. yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. Weights. Love that. <laughs> Love that. Well, before we kind of dive into the topic of hiring and, and how to do it well and, and ascertain some of the, the, the aspects of, of, uh, hiring as a leader, how did that turn out? Right. Your, your first, endeavor into hiring, being tossed into the deep end with ankle weights. How did that end up for you? So it was, it was a success and I will give whole credit to, um, the, the candidates that I found. So I don't think he'd mind me saying Christian Wheeler was uh, Mm -hmm. my first hire in the UK and he was phenomenal. Um, and through a series of circumstances, he actually replaced me when I left and took my role. So um, I got very, very lucky. And it wasn't until years later that I realized, in fact, how lucky I was to get him as my first hire. Yeah. So he he uh, he just transitioned into that role so smoothly and so well and added a lot to our team. Yeah, good. Well, that's good to hear. I'm glad, I'm glad it turned out to be a success. There's been plenty of times where I had, uh, you know, kind of new situations to me and my leadership uh, and it turned into a train wreck, right? So uh, I, oh, I'm, yeah. gl- I'm glad it worked out well for you. I mean, but I've, I, I've had some horrible hires too, so I'm happy <laughs> to kind of be fully transparent. <laughs> yeah, I think if we've been um, doing so this for any amount of time, we all we all have for sure. Um, and, and I think it's a. I think what one point you just said that I think is important to point out for young leaders and then those that are aspiring to be leaders it, is that at times we look at leaders and we struggle to kind of relate to them and, and we kind of paint this mental picture of leaders as, you know, they, they have everything all planned out and they're following some specific strategy or tactics or, or steps. But oftentimes like, like you found yourselves yourself in that first hiring experience, we're just learning as we go and we're trying to navigate this thing uh, in rather uncertain ways and in all transparency, sometimes it comes down to luck, right? We, uh, like you just said, you know, your first hire was, you were just lucky in that it was a really, really good hire. Um, and sometimes as leaders, that's what it comes down to, right? We're just, we're leading through an area that we've never done before. And there's uncertainty there. We're learning as fast as we can. Sometimes we're just lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some great points in what you just said. First of all, 
You know, you may look at someone who's further along in their career, like, oh my goodness, like they know everything. They just know how to do things. Understand that they started where you are. They started somewhere. It was their first time, you know, doing a team meeting or first time doing an interview at some point. So that's a really good thing to remember. And then, yes, I mean, I think we can all be as prepared as possible and do your due diligence and do the work and put in the effort. But Mm -hmm. there is an element of timing and, you know, luck. Yeah. at different points in your career. So certainly that's a, that's a, in there for sure. Yeah. So, you know, for those listening in, I, I just want to, you know, when you feel like I'm leading, but I don't know what I'm doing and, and this is a struggle or you're not alone, right? Every other leader that's no. been in that, in that st- uh, point is, uh, is, is right there with you. So even well, if they don't seem like it, even exactly. if they don't sound like it or look like it, <laughs> yes. believe me, they have their moments. That's exactly true. Well, Emily, as we kind of dive into hiring and, and how to recruit and interview and, and, and all that, I, I really want us to focus in on a, on a, an aspect of hiring that I believe so often gets overlooked by those that are new to the hiring process, recruiting and hiring process. But honestly, I would say I think it's also overlooked by those that are seasoned at the recruiting and hiring process. And that is... Um, writing the job description and assessing the skill sets of candidates in areas that are outside of the standard skill set that they might need. Like, for instance, I believe that even brand new leaders that are maybe brand new sales managers, for instance, I believe that they can easily write a job description that describes the sales skill set that a person needs. And I believe through the interview process, they can ascertain the the salesman skill set of that of any of those candidates. Um, I live in uh, lived in the the software development world for a long time, and so I know that that we can ascertain the um, the the technical software development skill set of a person rather easily. But there's the other dynamics that are are so often overlooked, and I think so important, and that is just the uh, the the attitude of a candidate, uh, the way that candidate would need to to fit in with the team, and 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 so forth. So I, I really want us to kind of focus in and and dive in on that second half of what are you looking for, and how do you determine if a person has those qualities? Right? How's that sound to you? That sounds great. It's, right. uh, so I talk I talk about this in my book, Hacking Executive Leadership, but the two yep. kind of buckets you described there um, are the two big ones that you should pay attention to. So the first one is aptitude, which is like you mentioned, the hard skills. So if you're in finance, maybe you have to be a CPA. If you're a technologist, you have to know a certain programming language. But the second bucket is attitude. Yep. And that's equally, if not more important than the first one. And that encompasses all the things you mentioned. Basically, is this person going to fit in with our company culture? Is this person going to fit in with our team culture? Mm-hmm. Are people going to look forward to working with this person? Because you can have the combination of, hmm, this person really knows their stuff. Yeah. They have the hard skills, but they are cringeworthy to work with. And no one likes to work with them. And they create drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and slow things down. Yeah. So I've, I've kind of heard this termed as um, the brilliant jerk or the friendly incompetent. I love that. So I you can, that. I think 
run into to both of those yeah. uh, types of people. Um, but uh, certainly, I think that assessing folks through the interviewing process through that lens and through those two buckets is a big one. Yeah. Um, and you can also take a look at your existing team and say, hmm, you know, how would Mike, you know, do in the the aptitude and attitude mm-hmm. kind of filter? How would Emily kind of do in the aptitude attitude filter? Right. And uh, take uh, uh, take note of that as well. Yeah, I, and I think it's so important that that attitude aspect of of uh, the recruiting and hiring process uh, because really the the attitude side of that I, I think is one. I think it's the most difficult maybe to define. It's certainly mm-hmm. difficult to determine, you know, does a person have the right attitude? Because, you know, in an interview process, they're, they're answering the questions in, in textbook format, right? They're, they're mm-hmm. giving you the answers they what know you, you want to hear and so forth. Yeah. But I would also submit to you that it, it, the attitude aspect of it is also the most difficult to deal with after the hire is made if it's a if it's a really bad fit and here's here's what i mean by that uh, especially in the big corporate world where you have you know lots of hr support and, and and all um you bring on a new team member and to the point you're making here maybe maybe they're the brilliant jerk right so <laughs> so from an aptitude standpoint they're brilliant they, they know their stuff right that uh, they are a rock star salesman we'll just use sales as as our example industry here they're a rock star salesman but to the point you were making everyone just hates working with them right and so while (laughs) that person may be hitting their numbers the rest of the sales team is struggling to hit numbers and and all and it and and it's created a culture or an environment within the team that is uh you know it's making the rest of the team struggle well, when you go to HR, this is my experience. When you go to HR with that type of issue, right? It's a it's an attitude issue, not an aptitude mm-hmm. issue. HR departments really, really struggle to measure attitude issues to the point that they would be comfortable with taking any kind of um, performance improvement action or certainly termination action. And so... It just becomes so difficult to deal with after the fact. It'd be much better if we were able to, during the recruiting and hiring process, deal with it there. What's any any experiences or, or knowledge you have there around dealing with the attitude aspect after you've got a bad hire coming on? Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's it's a hundred percent better to take the time and be very, very thorough in the interview process because it is much more difficult to deal with those afterward. I remember there was a there was a circumstance where it got down to the point of defining what a professional email was. So someone needs to be a little bit more professional with their communication. Mm-hmm. However, professional is a subjective term. Exactly. So it got down to how do you define how you, and so we went back and forth on that. So yeah. yes, overall, much, much easier to do your work up front. And there's several different ways you can do that. So a general note for, for any hiring manager or new leader is from the moment that the candidate interacts with you, they are evaluating you and you are evaluating them. So that's in any touch point you have. So the initial email saying, Hey, you know, 
Emily, I reviewed your resume. You know, thank you so much for applying. I'd love to bring you in for our first uh, phone interview. How they respond to that email is a data point. So do they reply right away? Does it take them a week? Do they have a greeting at the beginning? Do they sign off? Do they spell things correctly? Mm -hmm. You know, all of those things are up for um, evaluation. And same thing with you. You know, they're going to be looking at, "Mm, do I want to work for this company? Do I want to work for this person? Um, They're kind of evaluating on that end. Um, so another big piece, I'll, I'll just take you through, mm-hmm. you know, it, de- it depends on the role, but generally speaking, I'll actually give you an outline of what I like to do for the interview process. Great. Yeah. So, yeah. So in a, in a job board, like zip recruiter, sometimes you can have a custom question mm-hmm. and I'll have a free form. So in your example, kind of, I would say in your opinion, what is, what's the difference between an average salesperson and you know, a great salesperson or the best salesperson. And that's an opinion question. That's easy. They should know that it's not asking them to, to write an essay to you, but again, what do they say? You know, is everything spelled correctly, grammar, et cetera. And then I'll pick folks off the resume review and I'll send them an initial email and say, Hey, you know, Mike, thanks so much for applying to our you know, territory manager or or what have you. Mm -hmm. And as a first step, can you kindly answer these, these three quick questions and I'll have three quick questions. Maybe one will be confirming their location and things like that. One will kind of be an open-ended question and just see how they reply. Mm-hmm. Um, you would be shocked at how many people are really rude on those emails and they right. get discarded. I'm like, right. Hey, if you're working with customers and you can't send a friendly email to you, I'm going to assume that you're going to be rude to our customers. Yep. Then we do a phone interview. So I'll do that. And then for certain types of roles, I will add, a second phone interview with either another one of my colleagues or a panel interview. Mm -hmm. And these ones are important because they're a fit interview, uh, F-I-T in terms of, are they going to be a good fit with Mm -hmm. the team? And this is where you get people's opinion. So after the fit interview rounds, I'll debrief with each of those team members and say, Hey, you know, Alex, what did you see about this candidate? Um, You know, Hey, Anna, you know, any kind of feedback you'd have good or bad on this candidate and really, really listen to those because yeah. you might be biased one way or the other going in through all of your previous interactions. And you really need to listen to what your other team members are saying, because they're going to be working with this individual too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just a really quick high level highlight of, of the process, yeah. but I find it really valuable. And, and throughout all of those interactions and throughout all of those data points, you are collecting a lot of information on both the technical skills, but also what is it like to interact with this person? What is it like to talk on the phone with them and mm-hmm. to exchange emails with them? Um, and you get a pretty good impression there. Yeah, no, I, I love that approach. And, and I firmly believe in the, uh, in the notion that every single interaction, no matter what type of interaction it is, every single one is a part of the interview process, right? Um, during during COVID and all with this pandemic that's been going on, it's been a little different. But I know in in my hiring practices, for instance, uh, when the person walks into the building and has that very first interaction with the receptionist at the front desk, um, that's a part of the interview. And yes. and I've always I've always gone back to that person. Well, I've always gone back to that receptionist first and and say, hey, so and so is going to come in today. It's for an interview and, and, and you know, give them the heads up. But then I've always gone back even to that receptionist up front and say, 
you know, hey, what was your thoughts? How, how, how was the interaction? Did did they communicate well? Did they did they show you the level of respect that you deserve? And and just lots of things like that. So every single aspect, to your point, the email, the interaction with uh, with a receptionist up front, all of those are a part of the um, the interview process because I think that's what's needed when it when it comes down to assessing this attitude aspect, right? Because again, once they get inside the room with those individuals that are quote interviewing them, they know to turn on the charm. They know to mm-hmm. give you the the textbook answers, but it's outside of the confines of that interview room is probably more where you're getting some insight in the, the true them, right? The, the real side of them. Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of a couple of stories. So I actually did the same thing. So we had pre-COVID several, several years ago, um, we did have a receptionist that everyone had to check in with. Mm-hmm. And I would go out to her and, you know, some people, they treat receptionists not not the greatest because they right. think they're quote unquote lowly on the on the totem pole or whatever. Exactly. And so if she said someone was like really, really rude and condescending, I would take that as a pretty big data point. Someone, you know, she handed them the pen to sign in and, and he apparently threw it back at her instead of setting it on the counter. Wow. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's a no hire. Yeah. Um, and, uh, one of them hit on her, uh, you know, kind of unwanted <laughs> approach. And I was like, that's a no hire too. So, um, wow. you know, definitely the minute you step in to the office, make sure you're representing yourself well, um, and behaving like your mother would be proud of. Exactly. And, um, yeah. And uh, Another note off what you said is that a really good thing about panel interviews and um, is you can have different personality types in the same interview. And so my old CEO would do this to salespeople because salespeople are really, really good at kind of flexing to whoever they're interacting with, right? Mm -hmm. To make a sale, they can kind of mirror what you're doing. And so he put the most opposite people in this panel interview. Good cop, bad um, cop on, kind of approach. Um, yeah, yeah, on one side was this like very reserved, very quiet tech person, mm-hmm. very methodical. On the other side was this like outgoing, gregarious kind of emotive um, person we had. And I was in the middle, yeah, figuratively and literally seating wise. <laughs> and this, this sales leader was trying his best to like flex to all the different questions and personalities. Right. And right. I was laughing under my breath. Yeah. And I was like, good job. Good job, CEO. <laughs> this is a good call because he's having to work for it. Right. Yeah. You know, I love this, Emily, because we're not only benefiting the leaders that are listening that, that have for the first time, this responsibility of hiring. But I think we're also benefiting anyone that's listening, that's going through the interview process, right? If you, mm, it, yeah. right. If, if you, if you show up and you hit on the receptionist, you might not get the job, right? That, that's what I'm thinking. So, um, well, one of the, one of the ways that, um, that I know I've utilized in the past, well, I still do. Uh, I, I've kind of mixed it up in terms of, uh, like you were talking about a panel interview versus individuals. Uh, but I've always had a had it set up where I have a number of different team members that's going to interview a candidate. And each of those team members knows what side of this coin they're they're trying to assess. Either they're trying to assess the technical or, or the aptitude um, side of this uh, candidate or the attitude side of this candidate. And, and I've kind of mixed that up where I've had, like you were just talking, the the, the panel interview or three or four maybe people um, 
but every person in that panel knew, all right, I'm, I'm trying to ask questions and ascertain the, the uh, aptitude and, and then others were, were going after the attitude. And then I've also, I've separated those into individual interviews where the person, the candidate maybe is going to be there for, uh, you know, maybe four hours. And so, um, you know, one person goes in, talks aptitude, next person goes in and talks attitude. Um, what's your, what's your thinking in the, along the lines of inter individuals being tasked with just one side of that coin aptitude or attitude, or, or do you feel like a, a person should try to try to determine both? Um, it can be, it can be either one. So I think that's a great point though. So if I'm the general hiring manager for a role and just helping the team, I will often have, you know, Hey, there's someone in the technical expertise area. And then there's also one or two people just for general fit. So for the technical expertise, I remember I had one, I was hiring for a technologist. Um, and this one individual was, was on the interview loop for the, the hard skills piece. And he gave the, the programmer a problem, a coding problem to solve mm -hmm. on the whiteboard that didn't have an actual answer. He just right. wanted to see how this, how yeah. the candidates thought through it. And I would, I would come in and be like, yeah, I'm like, how did you do? It's like, Oh, this person was amazing. I, you know, the way they thought about it was perfect. And they found there was no right answer. Cool. And then I said, how did this, how did the second candidate do? And he was like, well, he stood up there with, with a pen and uh, that was about it. And I was like, Oh, okay. So you didn't, you didn't try to problem solve it. Yeah. Um, and then on the, on the fit piece, I try to take, okay, who is a team member who this person in this role would actually be working with? So what are the kind of most common teams that work together and can I get the leader of that team or a, a member of that team um, to actually come in and, and, and talk with them. Mm -hmm. So, um, and one thing I would note if people are listening and like, Oh my gosh, I'm hearing all of these interview loop layers. That's really overwhelming. Know that in general, as you, as you move up. So meaning if you're hiring for an entry level position, you, you probably don't need to have a full panel interview with That's the right. entire leadership team. Mm -hmm. So that might be one interview loop with you or maybe two, just depending on what it is. Mm -hmm. As you move up, for instance, if we're hiring at a C-level position, that's going to be an all-day, sometimes multi-day interview right. process. Yeah. Um, so just kind of keep that in mind as well. If you're, if you're hiring for, you know, the very first um, entry-level role, you don't need to have all of these steps. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point and I, it's, that you're making because I, I don't want our listeners to panic and think, oh, well, I'm just trying to go <laughs> find a kid right out of college and I didn't know I had to go through all these layers. So that's a good point. It, you, you don't. I mean, the as the responsibility of the position that you're hiring for grows, then your diligence to to hire correctly grows, right? So right. I, I would say it that way. Um, well, I mean, I think one thing that's important for us to do here too is not just kind of the logistics of how do we get these candidates in and how do we determine do they have the attitude that we are looking for. I think one of the first challenges is how do we even define the attitude that we're looking for, right? And and, and mm. maybe we're looking at it from a standpoint of, well, what is the, you know, how is our current team kind of made up? And we want to make sure mm -hmm. that we're looking for someone that we feel like will fit into that. Or m maybe similar to, to your story in the beginning, it's it's a brand new team, right? There, there There is no team to compare to. Well, in that case, from a blank sheet of paper, 
I've kind of kind of defined, well, what is the attitude that I'm looking for here? So what what kind of thoughts do you have for us on how do we even define what that is before we even get into the interview process? Right. There's so many elements to that. Some of the kind of baseline common ones that'll serve people well in any scenario. One is common sense. And that sounds really trivial and trite, but it's not. Mm -hmm. So when I was little, I assumed that when you got to be a grown up and adult, you just automatically got common sense. (laughs) That is not the case. That's true. So so looking for someone who is like, oh, they can kind of put two and two together. And once they kind of know the business and know our process, they could probably um, have common sense and apply judgment. Mm -hmm. That's, That's a big one. I think being proactive is one as well. So a lot of people are just like sitting there and they're not going to do anything until they're kind of told exactly what to do. So if you have someone who's a little bit more proactive and is like, let me try to find that answer or let me try to think one step ahead. That's really great. So being solution oriented. Um, And I think someone who is flexible and adaptable, that's always been huge, but especially right now in the kind of environment we're in, the market we're in, um, you know, with the, with the struggles we had in 2020, just being flexible and adaptable mm-hmm. is, um, is really big. And then I think it's just, you know, it sounds kind of simple, but do people look forward to working with you? Yeah. So, you know, are you, are you positive? Are you solution oriented? Do people look forward to collaborating with you? Or is it like, oh yeah, I, you know, Emily's there and she's good and she's been there for a long time, but man, she is just a mm-hmm. challenge. Yeah. And I, and I yeah. cringe when I work with her. So yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I love that. And and what I, in addition to that, what I try to do myself, and, and certainly one one of the things I try to to teach is that when you're describing attitude, the attitude that you want in a new team member, um, try to keep it as simple as possible, and try to keep it as objective as possible. Because it's it, like we were talking earlier. It's it's when you move over into this this attitude realm where things start to become a lot of subjectivity, right? Uh, when we're talking about aptitude, we can list, you know, a, a, a bullet list. And, and typically it's a, it's a pretty simple and maybe even short bullet list of here are the three to five skills that you must demonstrate you have experience in these five skills. And so it's a, it's a good short list and it's an objective list. And, and I try to encourage Try to do the exact same thing, even on the attitude side. And usually when I talk through this, I, I always bring up one of my favorite books. Um, it's uh, by Pat Lencioni, um, and it's called uh, The Ideal Team Player. And mm. basically, he describes three characteristics or traits of the ideal team player. Uh, and he calls humble, hungry, and smart. Uh, and smart in that case is more um, not IQ smart, but uh, more um, people smart, right? You, yeah. you're you're self aware to know how your actions and your comments and you, how that plays with with other people. And so he talks about again, it's just those three things. And yes, they may be difficult to make those objective, but at least they're simple. It's three simple things that you're looking for. And so, for instance, um, we talked about the interactions with the receptionist earlier. That's where I would be trying to determine, is this person humble, right? Or are they willing to respect and honor and, and 
communicate well with the receptionist. If they're not, they're not humble, right? And they're, they're not going to be a part of my team. Right. Um, yeah. So I just, you know, try to keep it because I know we especially when we get over to these attitude side of this coin is we we tend to get really, really subjective. And oftentimes we get really verbose in our description of what we're looking for. And if you can just really keep it simple, then that'll help yeah. you in the interview process to determine that. Right. That's a That's a great one. I think. Are they a team player versus mm-hmm. what's in it for me and yes. a really good indicator you can you can use is listen to the language mm. they use so yes. if it's like we or the team or yes. if they use i i did this i was all about me you can kind of tell which way they're inclined towards so that's a that's a great one yeah absolutely and and um you know you you really have to and look this is a skill that you learn over time and over experience but that what you just mentioned is so important in, in that there are times where I've been a part of the interview process, but it was only for the purpose of listening. I, I didn't ask mm-hmm. any questions. I didn't offer any kind of comments. Um, I was just there to listen. And and it was to do exactly what you were just describing, right? I, I just want to listen to how this person formulates their answers. You know, how much do they give credit to other people? Uh, that uh, that might have helped through the process because that right. speaks to integrity, that speaks to teamwork and, and all of those other aspects. Because again, the, the interview process, by its nature, you're more prone to say, well, I did this and I did that. Um, of course, yeah. But because you're there for the purpose of highlighting you and your skills and so forth. But when you get that person that, even in the midst of that scenario, they're willing to give credit to others and, and talk about the contributions of others. Uh, that's a big deal. And so yeah. listening to just how they, they talk through those answers is really, I love really important. That. I might, I might steal that mic. So yeah, <laughs> I love that just to observe because you're not trying to think of your next question or kind of think right. about how you're going to speak, but just listening and then watching them kind of interact with others. Yep. I think that's a great yep. tool to use. Um, yeah. Yeah. The interview process is complicated enough. And if, <laughs> if we can do anything to, to just kind of narrow w- our participation in it, right? What, what are we trying to do here? Am I just listening? Am I uh, trying to determine aptitude or attitude? And, uh, yeah. That, yeah. I think it's that a would key. be a great one. If you, if you're a new um, recruiting or hiring manager, if you can work your way into that situation where you can just be the observer, yes. I think that would be a great tool to start people off. Just observe an interview and see how it goes or see how a few go. Absolutely. Um, that would be, that would be great. Yeah, and, absolutely. uh, and a total sidebar, but one, one theory that I've been testing over the years is, um, do candidates who have played team sports do better with a team mentality versus um, solo sports or yeah. individual sports. Yeah. So for instance, you know, basketball, soccer, our team sports, and then like swimming or, or running um, or individual. So yeah. I've, I've, I'm kind of leaning toward like this theory might have some legs to it, but I'm still, I'm still testing it. So something people can try as well. So, so since you said that I'll be completely transparent and, and I will share with you um, a, a, a bias that, that I've openly shared before. Um, I, I, uh, I'm oftentimes, um, 
I'm, I consider myself an athlete. I mean, I played sports, um, in high school and all, and, um, still do, a you know, recreationally, um, participate in a lot of sports even today. Uh, and so I have this kind of natural bias uh, for sports. I, I love sports and especially I love team sports. Um, and I'm oftentimes called into, uh, I've got some good friends that are like high school football coaches and things like that. And they will call, ask me to come in and talk to their high school football team about leadership and all. And I will oftentimes say this to those, uh, you know, again, I'm talking to high school football players here. And I will tell them, look, you don't know this right now, but I believe you're building your resume, uh, yeah. your future resume, because you're on a high school football team. And, and again, I, I say it this way, and I, I acknowledge it's a little bit of bias in me, but, but I tell them, look, I've hired hundreds of people. I've reviewed thousands of resumes, tens of thousands of resumes probably over my career. And if you put in front of me two resumes that are identical with the exception that one of them played a team sport at some point in their life, I'm going to pick most <laughs> likely the one that, that you know, if, if only one of them gets a phone call from me, it's going to be the one that played a team sport of some, of some nature. And, and that's just because built into that experience is this need that you've got to work together as a team and, and you've got to learn how to do that. And that's the, so um, you can put my biased opinion into your research <laughs> if you want, but I, I definitely stand by, uh, I believe, uh, you know, team sports is a, is a big deal when it comes to you're trying to hire uh, you know, good team players. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the biggest thing of what you said is you have to learn to rely on other people. Right. Cause you can't play, you know, soccer by yourself. So that's right. the biggest thing that, that yep. translates. Totally. Totally. Well, Emily, listen, I, I want to, I want to be cognizant of your, your time. I, I promised you we wouldn't spend more than an hour and, and we're, we're pushing up on that, but uh, uh, you've dropped a ton of great stuff. As I said earlier for, for our leaders listening that are, have the responsibility of hiring for the first time. I think we've benefited also those that uh, would be entering into the interview process as a candidate as well. So you've <laughs> dropped a lot of really great stuff on our, our audience here. So I really appreciate that. But I'm confident now that there are some listeners that want to reach out to you, connect with you better, find out what what, uh, what you're up to, how to get your book, those kind of things. So how can this audience at the Rookie Leaders Podcast better connect and reach out to you? Yeah, certainly. Well, first of all, Mike, thank you so much for having me on. It was a lot of fun and uh, I hope listeners got some value out of it. Um, yes, you can pick up my book. It's called Hacking Executive Leadership. And we touched on some of the things that are in that book today, but there's plenty more. So if you want the full uh, full version and full experience, that's on Amazon. There's an audible version of it if you want to listen to it in the car. Um, and then if people are interested in coaching or have a friend or colleague who think uh, would be interested in coaching, you can go to my website at nextlevel.coach. Just type in nextlevel.coach and I would be happy to hear from you. All right. Excellent. And I will um, make sure that in the show notes for this podcast episode, there's links to your book and also links to your your website there, there uh, nextlevel.coach. Dot coach. But, but Emily, again, thanks so much for your time. Such valuable time that you've shared with us and such good content you've shared with us. So thank you so much for being a part of the, the Rookie Leaders podcast. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.
Well, there you go, friend. My interview with Emily. I know you are a better leader having spent some time with Emily. So, Emily, I want to thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom with us. So uh, just thanks so much for spending that time with us. Uh, Before I let you go again, head over to the show notes, rookieleaders.com. This is episode number 66. You'll find links to Emily's book. You'll find links to her, her website and how to reach out to her. So be sure that you do that. And again, finally, before I let you go, I've got to tell you, be sure you take take advantage of the leadership calculator. Head over to credibleleaders.com forward slash calculator. Use that free tool to measure and improve your leadership. Now, until I speak to you all again, be blessed and lead well. This episode of the Rookie Leaders Podcast has ended, but never fear. You can find other binge-worthy podcasts and episodes at rookieleaders.com. If you like this episode, please rate and write a review in iTunes. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. And remember to share this episode with your friends and colleagues looking for leadership lessons of their own. We appreciate your support. For more great leadership content, head over to credibleleaders.com.